In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about ash holes and cinnamon rolls, <laughs> arcane reciprocity, Marty McFly, and our newest hashtag, Manifest Travis Baldry, in our discussion of Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Standard disclaimer. Oh, did you hear that lisp? Ooh. Uh, uh, uh. If it gets too much, we might have to defang. No, nope, I'm keeping them in. Keeping them in. <laughs> Fang or die. Yes, I think that's my new life motto. <laughs> standard disclaimer if you haven't read this book please remember that fictional hangover is all about spoilers if you haven't read or listened and no one to be spoiled stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book especially listen to it it was great then come back if you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have or if you don't care about spoilers or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that then listen up yay yay i haven't listened to it i'm gonna have to listen to it i can't believe you haven't listened to it i mean the oh. the whole thing the whole Travis Baldry is an audiobook narrator. He's an audiobook narrator first. I know. And then he wrote the book. I know. His back catalogue on Audible is extensive. He's done literally a million billion things. Yeah. But he's an audiobook narrator first, and he's like, you know what? I read all of these things all the time, and I want to read something that's a little more cozy. So he wrote it. Hey. I see absolutely nothing wrong with that because I'm waiting for the day when we go, we're sick of reading X, Y, and Z. We want this. And, and then we, we write it. it. Yeah. And then it's I narrate happen. it. Exactly. You know what's <laughs> going to happen. It is going to happen one day. But that's not even my background info. That's just real information oh. that people need to know. Although, no, it kind of is. It kind of is almost exactly what I just said. But with, <laughs> but with more details. So I found an interview on wordwilderness.com and they asked what inspired you to write a cozy slice of life fantasy novel instead of a story that aligned with the genre's conventional plot lines. So yeah, it is almost exactly the same as what I just said. But his response is a lot longer than what I said. So now I'm going to read that. As a narrator, I tend to get a lot of genre fiction in a similar mold. The young white guy between the ages of 16 and 32 who must confront a world-ending threat. And there are a lot of fun and wonderful books in that mold. But I read a lot of that. Yeah, that's literally what I just said. I wanted something different, as far away from it as I could get while still being genre fiction. I set myself the task of making a fantasy novel that still moved along and kept me interested without anyone or anything dying past the first paragraph. No swords are swung after the first sentence. Also, the idea of being able to go to a coffee shop and hang out and see the faces of friends I know seems like real fantasy right now. So, it's the perfect form of escapism for me. I mean, that's true. Just, you know, being able to go to a coffee shop and see people that you actually want to see. Yes. It is the dream. It is. It is the dream. Do you have initial thoughts? I'm so excited about this book. Because Matt Godfrey, friend of the show, audiobook narrator, Matt Godfrey, 
retweeted Travis Baldry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? D&D? Style fantasy. Coffee. Baked goods. Hell yeah. I know. This This book is just, it should say after the title, Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Written specifically for Claire. It should. It really should. I, I had it on pre-order. I was so excited when it came. I've read it twice, at least. I love it because it's gentle and it's... I remember getting it and being like, this is... You, you, I don't know how much you're going to like this because it's not horror. <laughs> Look, I can't help it. I like what I like. No, that's fine. Exactly. And that's not a criticism because... You can like what you like, I like what I like. And that's perfectly fine. You know, see your quote. And, um, but I just knew it wasn't going to be necessarily your type of book. And it's just a quiet book. Nothing overly, overly dramatic. I mean, dramatic things happen. But you just don't have any sense of life or death. And sometimes you just need that. Like, Sometimes especially... you just need that. Me, no. Yeah. All chaos, well, all corpses, all the time. Well, sometimes I do need somebody's dramatic, drastic, horrific death because I'm like, ha it's not me. But when you when you need a quiet mental moment, like this is why I understand, and you know, not to dip in too far ahead. This is why I understand those coffee shop moments of just going to a coffee shop. And sitting there with a nice coffee and reading a book and being surrounded by people but not being part of that, being removed. I love it. That's a pastime for me. And this is this fits the mould of that in literary form. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wanted to say that like I'm I'm just here. I'm just here for you and for Matt's suggestion, because this is not my cup of Tea slash coffee slash she doesn't warm bean juice. Warm because it's not your cup of warm beans. It's not. That's not to say that I didn't enjoy it, but it's not my cup of warm bean juice. No, and that's fine. And that's fine because you. That's the joy of doing the podcast. Though we're going to read stuff that either we've never heard of before or we're not particularly interested in. And, you know, it broadens our own horizons. It does. And at least you can turn around and say, well, I've tried it. And you can come from an informed place where you say, this is not my cup of bean juice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You know what I do enjoy about it, though? The fact that we're both wearing ears and fangs (laughs) for this recording, for this audio podcast. (laughs) <laughs> that's not like us at all no, we need we need to get our joys in, in the ways that we can and if we can't enjoy a warm cup of bean juice together we can at least wear fangs and teeth together exactly exactly and we look for any excuse to wear fangs so. we really do I went into the kitchen to get some water before I came in to record today, and my husband came up, like, from behind me in the kitchen, so he couldn't see that I had fangs in, and he saw my ears, and he was like, oh, are you an elf today? And I turned around, 
and smiled. He's like, are you a vampire elf today? Like, no, I'm just <laughs> wearing teeth. I could have put in those bottom ones that I have and drooled all over my <laughs> Yeah. Traditionally, orc teeth are bottom up. Yeah. But the, the bottom teeth that I have are anglerfish teeth and they cause a lot of drooling and I really don't think I can speak a full sentence with them in my mouth. I'm trying to play with my jaw to see what I'm at and you can't do it. I can't do the like that. Uh, you can't. Your bottom, your bottom teeth have a good shape though. Mine are just straight across. Just just one line straight across. But you have your bottom teeth are I'm fanged already. You're fanged. You're pre-fanged. And I'm just flat. Is this going to be our headliner this week? Us showing off our teeth? Yeah, hi. Trying to turn her hands. Reasonable. Me to dry mouth. Me to dry mouth now. <laughs> oh my god. Can we start, please? Jesus. Please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> With a meaty crunch. Viv buries her greatsword, Black Blood, into the scalvert's skull, pulling it out with a spray of viscera. Ooh, this is me. This, the first paragraph is me. <laughs> the scalvert queen is dead, and Viv is tired. As the crowds surround and cheer, Viv examines the corpse and sees her prize above the beast's nasal cavity. Prying open the folds of the flesh, Viv reaches in and pulls out an organic lump. The Scalvert Queen's chamber is filled with treasure, but the stone is all Viv wants. Without saying goodbye to Fennis, Rune, Tyvus, or Galena, her adventuring party, Viv walks out of the cavern. She has had 22 years of blood, mud, and bullshit. It's time for something new. <laughs> Viv approaches the city of Thune in the early morning with Blackwood on her back and a satchel filled with plans, notes, hard tack, platinum chits, assorted precious stones and the witching rod. She is ready to start her new life. A nervous excitement fills her, something that she hasn't experienced in years. Viv hasn't chosen Thune lightly. She did her research. At this final stage, though, she needs the witching rod. Pulling it from her pack, Viv holds the spindle before her and ventures deeper into Thune. As the city wakes up around her, the rod takes Viv to a redstone building with a worn sign saying Parkin's livery. Ducking in, Viv finds the inside does not match the outside and will need extensive work. But there's so much potential! Outside, Viv spots a tiny old woman, Lainey, sweeping her stoop and obviously watching her. Lainey confirms the owner is a drunkard and will be in Raw Bone Alley. Yes, even at this hour. Lainey is correct, and Viv is able to find Ansem, the owner of Parkin's livery, without trouble, and purchases the deed that morning. Ansem has one priority, and it's not work. And Viv's cash offer is too good to pass up. Viv can now start realizing her dream. To open her coffee shop. What in the eight hells is coffee? <laughs> Apparently orcs don't send many letters in Thune As Viv gave the postal norm a bit of a shock that afternoon But she needed to send some letters And now she is officially a businesswoman 
After a few other odd jobs, Viv returns to the livery and hides the scarlet stone under a loose flagstone, ensuring the area looks undisturbed. Withdrawing a small piece of parchment, Viv reaffirms her trust in the scarlet stone. Well knighted to Thorbic line, the scarlet stone of the fire draws the ring of fortune, aspect of heart's desire. Once hidden, Viv can finally relax. Up early the next day, Viv heads to the shipyards. She spends hours watching the crew's work, but one hob stands out. He labors alone, diligent and fastidious in his work, while the other dock workers avoid him. At lunchtime, Viv approaches the hob, complimenting him on his work. The hob is called Calamity, or Cal, (laughs) and Viv offers him a well-paid job that is easier to see than to explain. Later in the livery, Cal is rather astounded at the full remodel that the livery will need. It's a challenge he's willing to take on, even though he has no idea what coffee is. <laughs> Cal arrives at dawn the next day and is surprised that Viv trusts him with her money to buy the supplies and tools needed. While he's off, Viv makes a start clearing out the space and rents a cart from the miller at an extortionate price to help transport the masses of accumulated rubbish. While Viv works, a stylishly dressed man with the features of a stone fear watches from the doorway. With speech that matches his attire, flowery, he informs Viv he likes to perform his civic duty and welcome budding entrepreneurs to the city. There is obviously something fishy about this guy, and Viv doesn't tell him anything. Cal returns that afternoon, having made arrangements for materials to be delivered, and a tarpaulin to keep the rain out, with the roof being a giant holy mess. Yeah. As Viv and Cal are securing the tarp, a delivery comes. It's the coffee bean delivery! Together they unload the crates, and Viv explains how she came across this strange place called a cafe in Azimuth. How the smell drew her in, and how people just sat peacefully drinking their coffee. That's what she wants. That night, Viv asks Lainey about the Fancy Pants Man, She explains he is one of the Madrigal's men, the local kingpin who will sooner or later demand protection money. Viv isn't impressed (laughs) at all. Why, look, why does she need protection money? She's a giant badass orc. (laughs) Exactly. With a huge sword on the wall. Let's not on the wall yet, but. Her protection money. They should. Anyway. That night, as Viv drifts off, she hears a thud on the roof, but pays it no mind and falls asleep, surrounded by the smell of coffee. The building supplies come rolling in the next day, and Cal works as methodically as he did in the shipyards. Amongst all the repairs, holes in the roof are fixed, stalls are cut down and converted to booths, new windows are cut into the walls, and counter space is built and shelves installed. When Cal mentions loose flagstones, Viv's heart skips a beat, thinking of the scarlet storm. After two weeks' hard work, the building looks respectable, neither looking nor smelling like a stable, thankfully. And Cal points out a new sign is clearly needed. The man in the fancy clothes returns, but Viv says nothing. He introduces himself as Lack, a representative of the Madrigal, and explains that a contribution would be expected at the end of every month. But you know what? Again... Viv is not impressed. After Lack leaves, Cal points out that the cafe isn't fireproof and there is more to lose. 
He then hammers a couple of pegs into the wall and tells Viv to put her sword up there. Ooh. Now the sword is hanging on the wall. Now the sword is on the, the wall. We're good. We're all good. The next day, Cal turns up there with a cart loaded with stove and stovepipe. Viv may not be a baker, but it's going to get cold in the winter. And as Cal advises, if people don't like her bean juice, she can at least feed them. Once they put everything into place, Cal asks for a taste of this bean juice and allows that it's actually not that terrible. Viv points out it can be made with milk too. Ooh, and the gnomes call it a latte. Ooh, fancy. In the largest square in Thune, Viv posts a notice. Assistant wanted. It's nothing like the other postings, but thinking of the hidden Scalbert stone, she has faith because it hasn't let her down yet. This doesn't stop Viv from having a restless and nervous day hoping for applicants. In mid-afternoon, a succubus with magenta skin, a whipcord tail, and an aristocratic face walks in. She introduces herself as Tandry and is interested in the assistant position. The interview is quick and awkward. No, she hasn't heard of coffee. Yes, she's willing to learn. No, she doesn't have good service experience, but neither does Viv. In the end, it works out, and Tandry accepts the job. The next morning, Tandry arrives even though the coffee house isn't open yet, because there's plenty to do and learn. Tandry also suggests visiting Thune Market to purchase the dishware, decorations, and furniture needed. Shopping montage! Ah! With lighter pockets and laden arms, Viv and Tandry head to a fair-run cafe for lunch. When they return to the cafe, they find a Norwish curate out front and a sturdy dwarf sitting atop it. It's Rune, a member of Viv's old adventuring party. We love Rune. He's a little hurt when Viv left him without any warning or any goodbye. He wanted to make sure she was okay, and, well, she is. Reassuring Rune, who is genuinely happy to see again, Viv gets the business of opening the crate. Inside is a coffee machine, which they install in no time. Hey. And nobody has any idea hey. what it is. <laughs> what is this? What is this witchcraft? <laughs> Before Rune leaves, Viv asks him how Galena is. She's stung that Viv left so abruptly, but she's tough and will be fine. As he heads for the door, Rune gives Viv a blink stone. So if she ever needs his help, she can contact him and he will come. Rune then gets on his way with well wishes for Galena and Tyvis and a swift kick up the arse for Finnis. Arse. Arse. I threw the arse in just for you. I know. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> All the while, Tandry has been reading the coffee machine manual and is eager to fire it up. I love that she reads the manual before she even tries to do anything. The first brew is made and Tandry is... Very impressed. <laughs> the next day, Cal returns and Tandry wins him over with her compliments on his work. He also brought a gift for Viv, a new sign in the shape of a kite shield with legends and lattes embossed. Ooh. Viv loves it, but Tandry wants to know what a latte is. Bean water with milk, Cal explains, making Viv smile. This place feels like home, and tomorrow the cafe will open its doors. I'm really upset that you haven't listened to this book, because Cal 
I like the way Cal talks. I'm going to listen to it. I will. I had to prioritize getting it's very things like right. Being, being water with milk. It's very. <laughs> I'll have to listen to it. I will. I will promise to listen to it. Sitting outside enjoying their drinks, Tandry mentions a hole in Viv's opening day plans. She hasn't told anyone about the cafe. Where's the advertising? Tandry counsels Viv to keep her expectations in check. Lainey appears then with a... Cake? Questionable cake? Maybe it's a cake? Maybe it's a doorstop. It could be a doorstop. Whatever it is, it's unidentifiable and inedible. The group part ways, and Viv is sorry to see Cal go now that his work is finished, but has hopes of him stopping by for milky bean juice. As Viv and Tandry tidy up inside, Viv silently ruminates over the Scalvert Stone poem. But then they hear a clatter outside. Someone has stolen Lainey's cake. Cake? What want to do? Is it a cake? Are you sure it's not like like one of those starting bricks that you put into barbecues and on it could, open it, fires? It could be. It could be. It could be a fire starter. It could or just you drop it from a great height onto people's heads. It could be a cartoon brick. Anvil. Does it say Acme on the side? I think that it does. I think that it does. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's the grand opening of Legends and Lattes. And not one customer. No. Tandry has an idea though. Offer a limited supply of free samples to bring people in and get them hooked. With the added bonus that seeing people in the shop will entice others. Perfect. Tandry sets about making signs to draw the crowds. As Tandry works, Lack makes an appearance with Gate Warden commenting on Viv showing her teeth with Blackbird's resting. Ugh! God, I can't say this. As Tandry works, Lack makes an appearance with a Gate Warden commenting on Viv showing her teeth with Black Blood's resting place on the wall. He then issues her a two week notice for the first payment before leaving. Tandry asks what the exchange was about, but Viv assures her she can handle it before closing for the day. Of course she can handle it. She's an orc. She's an orc. Big sword. The next morning, three people are lined up outside, eager for a free sample. They examine Mm. the menu parchment, coffee or latte, and have no idea what they are. (laughs) The washerwoman and dock worker order a coffee, and the third, a ratkin, points to the latte. Sorry, I love him. The coffee drinkers enjoy their sample, whereas the ratkin seems to relish the latte and clearly savors it. The cafe is off to a promising start that turns into a trickle of early risers that lasts a few hours before turning agonizing again. During the lull, a student at the Thomic Academy, or Acres, comes in weighed down by a satchel full of books. He's not there for a free sample, but he sits in a booth for three hours, busy with his books. Viv also takes the quiet time as an opportunity to buy slate and chalk for a proper menu sign. They agree to have another day of free samples. Listen, you do not go to a cafe and take up a table for three hours without purchasing. You gotta buy at least one thing. 
even if it's free sample, you sit there with the sample on your table. Yeah. Uncool. Uncool. The next morning, the washerwoman is back with a friend in tow and a few other new faces behind them. But it's the ratkin who is first in line that eagerly scurries inside when Viv opens the door. Thanks for having me. Business that day stays reasonably steady too. The agreed to day will be the last day for free samples because it's now time to see if people are hooked. The Acre student even returns, again only taking up space. Why is he here? When Viv questions him, she learns his name is Hemington, and he tells her he is fine and doesn't like hot beverages anyway, thank you very much. He needs to get back to his very technical and difficult schoolwork. Mm. Tandry, who also took classes at Acres, asks him to explain. Hemington is studying the layer lines that crisscross Thune that are, for some reason, particularly strong in the shop. He says he's studying that nexus. Viv pointedly tells Hemington to accept a free sample, despite his aversion, and Tandry adds a note to the menu stating a drink must be brought to enjoy the seating area. As Hemington leaves, his drink untouched, he tells Viv he would buy something to eat, which reminds Viv of what Carl said to her. Not long after Viv is tidying up, when in strolls an enormous, shaggy creature, stunning everyone. An elderly dwarf looks over his paper and explains that that's a dire cat, and you don't see them all that often, but they're supposed to be lucky. Yay. Viv remembers the thuds on the roof and Lainey's stolen, questionable cake, and leaves it be. When things quieten down in the afternoon, the last person Viv would want to see strolls in. It's Fennis, the pompous mm. ass of an elf she used to adventure with. Amongst sarcasm and belittlement, Fennis makes a pointed comment about the ring of fortune that makes Viv freeze. Thankfully, the dire cat dislikes Fennis and politely hisses him out of the cafe. The dire cat, who Tandry names Amity, can definitely stay. Good kitty. The next day, when the doors open, the customers seem happy to pay, and Carl even visits. During the morning rush, Viv leaves the customers in Tandry's capable hands to find their regular latte-loving ratkin sitting in the corner. She has been thinking about what Carl and Hemington said about food, and remembers seeing flour on the ratkin's apron. He isn't the talkative sort, but when Viv offers him a job as their resident baker, Thimble eagerly agrees. Tomorrow... Squeak. In the afternoon, Hemington arrives, begrudgingly purchases a drink, and sits down. Then they have another unwanted visitor. This time, someone Tandry knows. Kellen is a lecherous pest who threatens them with the madrigal when Viv kicks him out. Viv is again, unimpressed by bullies, and... <laughs> is backed up by Amity showing Kellen out the door. <laughs> Before the cafe opens the next morning, Thimble brings Viv and Tandy something warm that smells of rich yeast and cinnamon. When they take a bite, they make involuntary moans of pleasure and praise the gods. Tandry hires Thimble on the spot and pressures Viv with her eyes to basically give Thimble anything he wants. On top of the four silver a week, Thimble negotiates free coffee. 
Viv tells Thimble he can have as much as he wants so long as he keeps making laws. When he arrives the next day, Thimble has a prepared shopping list, enjoys his first free latte of the day, while Viv and Tandri deal with the morning rush for another shopping montage. When they return, Thimble relishes opening each parcel and gets to cooking. The smell draws people in, and Hemington is the first customer to buy, though under some duress, it must be said, because he has bread restrictions. Come on, Hemington, jeez. The rest of the customers in the dining hall don't share his reluctance, resulting in the rules being sold out before Viv can be more not putting one aside for herself. That is amateur hour mistake there, Viv. It is. It is. Schoolboy hour. Viv can't stop smiling. Everything just feels right. With the smell of the cinnamon rolls and coffee drawing in customers, there's a steady, gentle hum of activity. The only bad thing is the heat from the oven in constant use. It's a lot. It is very hot. All the time. It would be nice if Thimble could make something that they could keep fresh longer without running the ovens freaking all day long. Thimble's brain starts worrying at the idea, and he thinks that a bigger stove would be better. When Cal pops by, Viv sets him to the task of making it cooler inside the cafe. A new face comes by later in the day, a bard named Pendry, who would like to entertain the customers. So long as he only is asking for his permission, Viv is fine with it. Pendry seems to need a few moments to motivate himself before the music starts, and it's um, interesting. Uh, yeah. It's not unmusical. But savage. Do you know what it is? Do you know exactly what it is? I always kind of get like thrash metal in my head. No, no. This scene (gasps) is Back to the Future. Yeah. When Marty plays Johnny B. Good and everyone's like, what? (laughs) And he starts kicking over the amps and, yep, that's exactly the scene. You can't tell me it's not. It is. It's canon now. <laughs> the customers don't seem to appreciate Pendry's new sound and mortify Pendry leaves abruptly. Oh, Pendry, meanwhile, is fascinated by an elderly gnome customer who seems to be playing chess by himself. Amity, who seems to have taken a shine to him, curls around his table. You know he's got to be safe if Amity likes him. Well, exactly. Exactly. But what is he doing? Playing chess? What? Leave him alone. The next day, Thimble presents another shopping list, which means... Shopping Shopping montage! At the Backstreet Spice Cellar. Viv and Tandry are fascinated by Thimble, who bakes and twice bakes the new goodies. Once done, Thimble makes them dip a piece into a latte and have a taste. Once again, Viv and Tandry turn into goo at Thimble's genius, and Thimblets, aka Biscotti, are instantly added to the menu. Nom nom nom. Thimblets! (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, the kitchen remains unhealthily hot, but thankfully Cal has returned with a solution, an auto-circulator. Though they have to close the, for the day while Cal installs it, 
and more than one regular customer is disappointed, which makes Viv nervous, there isn't any reason to be concerned when Legends and Lattes reopens. Thankfully, it's a lot cooler too. Thank goodness. Viv looks around and feels contentment because the shop is hers, and when she catches Tandri's eyes, she thinks maybe it's ours. <gasps> Mm. Pendry returns thank goodness I'm glad he got over it he returns and is full of nervous energy but this time he promises to play more traditional music trust me he says your kids are gonna love it wait no that was back to the future again I'm sorry (laughs) After a minute or two of silence, Pendry starts playing a gentle melody which complements his soulful voice. Hemington continues his study visits and asks Viv if he can set wards to study the stability of the Nexus. As it will be unnoticeable, Viv is fine with it. Unfortunately, Lack returns and Kellen is with him. Lack is there to impress the seriousness of making a prompt payment in a week. Kellen is there to lech onto Landry. <sighs> Later, Tandry finds Viv in her loft room, Blinkstone in hand, considering her options. After Tandry leaves for the night, Viv throws the stone into the stove firebox. It takes three days for Viv's old adventuring party, minus Finnis, oh, to arrive. Closing early and putting a pin in a new problem of how customers could take their drink with them, Viv and Tandri explain the Madrigal problem over coffee and a plate of cinnamon rolls and thin bits. Galena is genuinely happy for what Viv has built and the people she has found. Pointed a look at Tandri. A wink. A wink and, and like a... <laughs> Put your tongue away, woman. She also holds no ill will at how they parted. Rune is genuinely happy at the plate of baked mm-hmm. goods. Tavis understands wanting to avoid difficult conversations. While Galena wants to get all stabby with Viv's problem, it's not a long-term solution. Tandri thinks Viv should just pay, but that isn't a solution either. Tavis offers to arrange a parlay, which seems the best option. When Amity slinks in, it's the end of the conversation because Galena has a kitty to pet. <laughs> yep. Done and done. She has hashtag priorities. Uh, everything is going well. Pandry keeps showing up and entertaining in the afternoon. The old gnome keeps playing ghost chess with a ghost and Cal regularly pops by. Galena stops by for dinner with Viv before they head off the next day, and as they walk back to the cafe, Galena warns Viv that Fennis has been acting strange lately, so she'd better watch out. As Tandri and Viv tidy up at closing, Tandri tells Viv that her succubus nature helps her pick up on emotions, including secrets. She knows there's more to the situation than Viv is sharing, which is her right, but she warns Viv to take extra care. Tavis is successful in setting up a meeting with the Madrigal. Tandri is still unhappy about it and is exasperated by Viv being so chill. Lack collects Viv at the meeting point, puts a hood over her head and takes her to the Madrigal. The Madrigal's lair is cosy and warm with crochet doilies, enormous bookshelves and stuffed armchairs. 
The Madrigal is a tall, elderly woman with a regal face. The Madrigal explains that her connection to Tavis wasn't enough to warrant a meeting, but they have another mutual acquaintance, Venice, Ugh. who, who she also considers to be an asshole. Oh, goodness. <laughs> She's a good judge of character. Getting to the point, the Madrigal informs Viv she knows she has the Scarlet Stone, but she's not interested in it and think she'll benefit from it. Then they discuss the monthly dues. The Madrigal has an alternative proposal, which Viv agrees to. The following morning, before opening, Viv tells Tandry all about the Scalvert Stone. Venice is pissing off the Madrigal and her arrangement of a weekly delivery of cinnamon rolls, rather than a monthly payment. <laughs> when Thimble arrives... I too can be bribed with baked goods. <laughs> when Thimble arrives, he's carrying a large wooden box filled with ice, ostensibly to keep the cream and eggs colder for longer, but it gives Viv an idea. When Hemington comes in that afternoon, Viv slides an iced coffee over to him. And he likes it. Yay! While Hemington is in a good mood, Viv asks for a favor. She wants a ward set to a specific person. During the afternoon, Kellen comes in to harass Tandrymore, but Viv intercedes. And he starts threatening to get the madrigal. <laughs> yeah, you go on. You go on and do that. Here's her Here's her cinnamon roll. Time. You just go ahead. <laughs> Viv points out she's had an interesting conversation with them, and they seem to have the same opinion about assholes. Without any real dignity, Kellen moves. <laughs> Thimble gives a series of uninterpretable gestures and scurries off, returning a short time later with a parcel. Opening the paper reveals rough, dark slabs, and when Viv and Tandri try them, they taste a pleasant mix of creamy sweetness and bitter, dark bitterness. A bitter darkness. Bitter darkness. <laughs> They've got Amanda's <laughs> No, 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 they don't. They don't. Thimble whispers that it's chocolate and produces another shopping list. Shopping montage! Shopping montage! <laughs> When Viv returns, it's to find Kellen picking up the magical cinnamon rolls. He could have just taken it the day before. No, nope, you got to come back with shame. <laughs> I love that. He's deferential and meek. Excellent. As Viv and Tandri are locking up, Tandri fetches a basket and asks Viv on an evening picnic to uh, celebrate. Yes, yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yes. I don't think that's what. I don't think that's the sole reason for the picnic. If no, I can be honest. There's, there's ulterior motives. <sighs> As they eat in a little park overlooking Acres, Tandry explains her history. She moved to Thune and attended Acres as an attempt to escape being trapped as a succubus. But it didn't work out. The university isn't as enlightened as they advertise. Viv offers no pearls of wisdom, only fuck those motherfuckers! <laughs> Later, Viv walks Tandry home, 
but her nervousness and self-consciousness force her to leave. There is definitely something between them. It just needs to happen. Come on! Viv just derps out of there. <laughs> she might be, you know, giant and terrifying, but she's so sweet on the inside. She herself is a cinnamon roll. She is. The next day, Thimble's new delight is ready to try. Still piping hot from the oven, Viv and Tandry eagerly await to take a bite of the crescent-shaped flaky pastry. Again, their reaction is audible. Tandries, in particular as a succubi, respond to strong sensations and the melted chocolate in the middle is almost incapacitating. We've all been there. Midnight crescents are added to the thing. Hemmington comes by, happily orders an iced coffee, and lets Viv know her ward is nearly in place. He just needs her hand to put the warning alert on. When Fennis comes near, she'll feel a gentle tug. The week goes on and Pendry comes by to play. He has a go with his new sound again, rather than his normal lute. He brings his thomic lute, aka electric guitar, but this time he plays more gently and to great reception. He knew. <laughs> it's the acoustic version. It is, except for it's not, because he brought his electric guitar. Well, he brought his thomic lute. He's just... It's not actual electricity. He's, just, he's gently playing it this time. Mm. It's the it's the coffee shop version. It's coffee. It's coffee yeah. rock. Coffee rock. <laughs> oh, <laughs> trademarked. Lainey stops by, hoping to swap recipes with Thimble, who always manages to exasperate her with his gestures until she goes away. <laughs> Amity also visits with greater regularity. Tandry comes up with an idea for customers to have their drinks on the go by purchasing a mug that they can leave or take. They just need to bring it back. Viv awkwardly tells Tandry she's happy she's making the shop hers. Because it wouldn't be what it is without her. Oh. <sighs> Not yet. One day. Not yet. Soon. Everything is going well. Thimble has shown Viv the huge double store of his hopes and dreams. And Viv reasons the best deserve the best when looking at the price tag. So that'll have a heart attack. Lag comes by for the weekly tribute to the Madrigal, even ordering a coffee for himself, and Pendry is developing a fan club. Young ladies, in particular, come to Legends and Ladders specifically to hear him. As Pendry is reluctant to put out his cat for tips, Viv offers him a wage for his regular shows. All I permanent gig, man. Permanent gig, take it. All I can imagine is like <laughs> other, you know, creatures of the feminine variety, and you know, probably some others as well, like taking off their furry undergarments and swinging them up on the stage. <laughs> That's what I want. They're like unbuckling their leather chaps and throwing them up. Bare skin loincloths. Yes. They toss them up on the stage. Let's just throw throw those things yeah. over there. Yep. <laughs> 
sorry. <laughs> Soon enough, in the middle of the night, Viv feels a painful tug on her hand. I thought it was supposed to be a gentle tug. It's painful. The ward is going off. Creeping down from the loft, Viv can sense Fennis in the shop and calls him out. Fennis claims Viv should feel guilty over not dealing fairly with the Scalbert Stone. Viv points out that she left him literally the entire fucking horde, but that isn't enough for Fennis. When Fennis leaps for Viv, Amity, seemingly from nowhere, lunges for him, snarling until he leaves. Viv gives Amity a good pet and is going to make sure that she sets out some cream and beef for the dire cat. For the rest of the night, Viv contemplates what would happen if she lost the stone. Would she be left alone? The next day, Viv tells Tandri about Fennis's visit and Amity's defence. She also confides that she contemplated throwing the stone in the river, but the fear of losing everything steers her hand. Tandri tells Viv about something she learned at Acres. Arcane reciprocity. 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 It's got two good lispy sounds in it. Reciprocity. 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 <laughs> I still can't see it. Arcane reciprocity. reciprocity. You did it. You said it. Just keep going. I'll cobble it together. It's fine. Way. The theory that once the charm is gone, a backlash will hit from the build of the, the energies. This doesn't no. help. <laughs> no. Do you remember? I've just got images of the headline just me going <laughs> Yep, I think that I think that might be what it is. I just had a flashback to our April Fools episode that we did a hundred years ago and it was just all of our outtakes and bloopers. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> the episode that shall never be repeated. We've got two of them. No, three. We've got three that will never ever 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 suggest to anyone ever again speaking of three <laughs> three weeks go by after Finnis's visit cal has started visiting with greater regularity often huddled with tandry making loud pointed observations even the madrigal stops by and in exchange for a midnight crescent she offers viv advice to be a touch more vigilant over the next few days. Wink. Viv feels sick. From that point, Tandri starts to sleep over, refusing to leave Viv alone. As there isn't much room and no bed, they share Viv's bedroll. It's the best sleep that Viv has had in a long, 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 long time. Oh. Not yet. It's coming. It's nope. coming. Nope. Nope. Yeah, it is. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> 
The next day starts well as Viv and Tandri share breakfast. When Cal drops by, he grumbles over extending the kitchen and fitting the larger stove, which makes the rat concerned. Do not, do not, do not make him sad. He's precious. (laughs) But he shouldn't have a problem stalling a stage for Pendry. After closing, Viv and Tandri go out for dinner before retiring to their bedroll. In the middle of the night, Viv is woken by Amity, forcing her from her bed. The shop is on fire. The flames burn a pale corpse green. Viv has to break the doors open to get Tandri out, and once in the street with Amity, Viv dashes back in, first to grab her lockbox and second time to grab the coffee machine. In the process, she is badly burned. From the street, Viv and Tandri watch legends and latias burn to the ground. Oh, no. Oh, that's not good. Soon, the gate wardens come, and the crowds start to grow. Ignomancers from Acres come to contain the spectral fire to protect the neighboring buildings, but the flames rage until dawn, and only ash is left. Cry. Is this the arcane reciprocity Tandri spoke of? Sure. I'm going to edit in your... <laughs> Wrapped in blankets Lainey gave them, and sitting on her stoop, they wait until the charred remains can be approached. Viv needs to check something before they leave for Tandri's place. During this time, Tandri disappears and returns with a wagon, and Cal, who takes the coffee machine and lockbox. Eventually, Viv is able to enter the remains and heads for a very specific flooring slab. (sighs) Digging through the debris and lifting the floor, Viv sees that the Scalvert Stone has been taken. (gasps) No! Arcane reciprocity! It's happening! <laughs> I'm not even going to try and say it again. <laughs> After this, that word's dead to me. After this, things become a bit of a blur for Viv. Thimble turns up but disappears after a short conference with Tandri. Cal appears again with the wagon and takes them to Tandri's place. She manages to clean her wounds and change her clothes. And then the sleep she has resisted overtakes her. When Viv wakes, she feels better and thanks Tandri for taking charge. She needs to return to the shop to retrieve black bud, which she left in the flames. But she finds her old sword is melted and twisted, so she throws it back into the flames. After a few days, Viv's friends start to take charge. Cal calls on them and starts outlining the cleanup and makes plans for materials and labor needed to rebuild. He's amazed by Viv's lack of funds or her protest that she no longer has the Scalvert Stone because he's a patient hob. Tandri and Viv share a moment then and have their first kiss. <sighs> Finally! Finally! <sighs> it takes Cal 13 trips to clear the debris, and unfortunately, only a few bricks and stones are salvageable. Pendry shows up on the second day to help. Cal brings a cartload of quarry bricks and river stones, commenting that they will rebuild better. Thimble will get his bigger kitchen, and Viv will get an actual loft apartment. Cal brings more materials, lumber and nails. Thimble starts stopping by with lunch every day, 
and Hemington lays wards into the foundations. Amity appears now and then to inspect their work. After a week, a cartload of clay appears provided by the Madrigal. Other help comes and goes, whether hired by Carl or sent by the Madrigal. Viv doesn't know, nor does she question it. One day, the old chess player gnome stops by. Viv makes a comment about the Scalvet Stone, and he enlightens Viv over a very misleading line. The Ring of Fortune is an old sea fear phrase, which really refers to bringing people together. Uh... <sighs> Rune and Galena visit, bringing with them crates of gnomish coffee beans. Yay. Tandri wrote them a letter and told them everything that happened, including the loss of the Scalvert Stone. And in Galena's words, who gives a shit? They also mention that they haven't seen Venice in weeks. But... You know, he was an asshole. And they couldn't abide him either. So, good riddance to dickheads. The day before reopening, Thimble is able to take in his new bigger kitchen with expanded pantry, coal box, more counter space, and a pair of new ovens. It's perfect! Cal and Tandry also have something for Viv, a new Legends and Latias sign with the remains of black blood mounted onto it where once the sword was embossed. It's perfect. But now it's time to reopen. No free sample. No, no. The line at opening time is down the street, despite the cold. All the regulars turn up, and Hemington even orders a hot drink. (gasps) (gasps) What? Pendry comes by in the afternoon for his set and brings an arcane amplifier with him. (laughs) But the windows are new, so please don't shatter them. Oh my gosh. He's going to jolly be good through the windows. Even the Madrigal stops by to congratulate Viv on the reopening and leaves with her tributes. The day goes very well. After closing, Viv gathers Tandry, Thimble and Cal to thank them properly for sticking by her and helping rebuild. She hands them each a writ of partnership. Then the friends share a toast to what the flames could not consume. After Cal and Thimble leave, Viv is finally able to show Tandry one big improvement she worked on with Cal. A proper, furnished loft apartment. One she'd like to share with her. (gasps) Tandry wraps Viv in her arms and kisses her in answer. (sighs) Meanwhile, Venice is stalking the southern alleys of Thune. He's stayed away since the fire, but rumors of the shop reopening have drawn him back. It seems at least as successful as before. At least as successful. (laughs) So, like, was everything he did for nothing? Did he, you know, burn down their store and home for nothing? What an asshole, I hate him. Finnis heads toward the docks when he is intercepted by Lack. The Madrigal is interested in the stone he spoke of before and understands Finnis is the new owner. Finnis is all cocky and showy with his sword before doing some flips and jumps and bounds up the wall onto the rooftops where the Madrigal's men below can't follow. Smug in his escape, 
The sound of a heavy impact and sliding roof tiles causes him to stop. Whirling around, Fennis comes face to face with Amity. He only has a moment to think, is that the goddamn cat? Before she leaps. Yay! Fennis gets his comeuppance from the dire cat. <laughs> oh, oh Amity. She always saves the Amity day. is the hero. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast and now back to the show all right standout moments let's get back into the kitchen Can't. it's too hard i can't take the heat <laughs> do you know i said at the beginning of the show i just liked the quiet nature of it the i didn't have to be concerned about like the dead bodies turning up everywhere and you actually somebody burning in the fire might have been fun but wasn't that kind of book and it was nice it was nice and i like the fact that apart from two characters well lenny pendry the madrigal and probably kellen are the only humans in the book everybody else was a delightful fantasy creature and that's yes. what i really loved i enjoyed that as well and that they all, I mean, minus the people who are assholes, like, they all got along. You know, they were cool with a rat being their baker in their kitchen. Hey, if it's good enough for Disney, it's good enough for everybody else. But it's another one where it's, it's found family, and you know we're suckers for found family stories. Yes. And nothing overly dramatic, nothing tragic has to bring them together. Just right time, right moment, right people, right skills, all coming together. And it quite annoyed yep. me, actually. It- Viv did. When she kept putting everything down to the Scalvet Storm. It's like, well, you're belittling yeah. your, your own personality. You're belittling yourself that you and your vision aren't good enough for other people. I mean, it's... It's likely that the Scalvert Stone helped gather the correct people at the correct time, but they didn't have to stay. No. no. I mean, because we learned from the chess player what the line in the in the rhyme actually means. Like, oh no, this is this is bringing this is bringing people together. It's people, not like treasure and things. Mm. It's people. So we know. But, you know, if Viv wasn't great and their, her hot bean water wasn't delicious nobody had to well, say exactly exactly but yeah that 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 was probably my biggest thing that she just kept putting it all down to the skull of its stone and that 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 puts everybody else down mm. yeah and even and even later on she was like well, Tandri, it's you. It's you. Thanks to you, all of this is happening. Like, no. 
You are good too, Viv. Yeah. Which makes you question what it was like when she was adventuring. Um, I mean, she spent 22 years adventuring round the country. And she wasn't always with Rune and um, Tyvus and Galena. And the Furvis. Fennis. Um, just make up names for people. I like, I like Furvis. Furvis. It sounds, it's more mm. appropriate. Furvis. Furvis. But she wasn't always with them. But she did spend a good time of time mm-hmm. with them. And they were her last crew. And yeah. it makes you wonder, well, what was the dynamic there? I mean, we know she had a relationship with Galena. But it obviously wasn't anything permanent. Yeah. But... I mean, maybe she was just the muscle. True. And she was just there to beat guys you up. You think they would have, like, you know, on a night time, covered in gore, viscera and you know, fingernails, having your evening meal before you settle down around the campfire. You're going to talk. Oh, there's going to be a lot of long journeys. You're going to talk. You're going to get mm-hmm. to know these people. They're going to be, you know, they're not. it's not like going into an office where you work a nine till five and you don't talk. You don't have to talk to the majority of people, and you don't have to socialize with these people. If you're adventuring, that is your party. That's your group for X amount of time that it takes to carry out the the task at hand. So yeah, I just kind yeah. of it makes me wonder what the dynamic was like for her then. That's made her so timid and lacking confidence now. That she thinks some magical stone is the only thing that's going to make people like her, want to be around her. Well, maybe it's just the fact, assuming that she was just the muscle before, that like anyone has faith in her that she can do anything that's else. That's true. Like you're you're just a great big dumb orc. You can't do anything but smash brains. True. True. Maybe it's well, that. Well, we know that the post office norm stereotypes the orc like, you could write. <laughs> I tell yeah. you what I did, See? So maybe that's I what I did it like is. about Viv. A few things. She doesn't put up with bullies. No. She doesn't put up with perverts. Mm-hmm. And she loves going to the library. Didn't really mention it much yeah. in the summary. But, you know, we, we did say she does a lot of research, but she spends a lot of the time in the library reading. She's surrounded by books in her loft around her bedroll. So, yeah, we, we yep. never read her. Do you know my favourite thing about this entire book? Aside from Pendry being Marty McFly. Because hmm. that's number one. That's the tops. Um, I really loved everything about Thimble. God, yes. And he just shows up there, gets his free samples, he's a little guy covered in flour, and then he just keeps coming back and they're like, hey, you know, that rat who really likes our coffee, he, he's clearly a baker or something because he's covered in flour. And so then they're like, hey, why don't you come and bake stuff? And he's like, yes, I will bake things for you. And he does. And he's tiny and sweet. And everything about him is perfect. Dimple is precious and must be kept safe at all costs. Yeah. Jumping ahead, he is my favourite character. Same. And Amity. Same. I also really liked Cal. I love Cal. 
I loved Carl. He, yeah. He again was an unassuming character, and I like the he, he seemed genuinely happy that Viv was taking a chance on him to to do. Like when when she's like, "There's the money, go and do what you need to do," and he's like, "You know, you're not gonna get a good deal because I'm a hob, and people don't trust hobs and don't like hobs." And she's like, "Yeah, but you know what you're doing, and I'm not gonna stand in your way." Yeah. And the same thing with Thimble when he's like, "You know, I I could use a bigger stove. We could use two ovens. We you know we could use all these things." And she's like, "Well, I trust you. You know what you're talking about." The best deserves the best. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. The best deserves the best. I kept getting hungry when I was reading it. Like, 11.30 at night and listening to the descriptions of cinnamon rolls. And I was full off my dinner still, but the, the little tummy going, rah, cinnamon rolls. Yeah. <laughs> When I was reading interviews for background info, there was a whole segment on how the descriptions of food were, like, so perfect. And Travis Baldry was like, well, yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a, a very good, like, vivid imagination and a great memory for food. And um, I like it. I like it a lot. So I'm going to tell you about it. I appreciate that. I appreciate perfect. that. The, the, the taking the time over the food stuff rather than just going, and Thimble made cinnamon rolls. Yeah, but that's part of the reason why I wanted to do Legends and Lattes for the book club theme this month, which is Spiteful Baker. And because of the descriptions yes. of the food and the fact that Thimble is a complete and utter delight. So for the fact that Thimble has like six words in the entire book... Um, if that, and he's he is a a mine he he's a, a major character, but he's still he's only ever in the background really because he doesn't voice. He plays such a big yeah. part. Without his cinnamon rolls, the madrigal would have been like, "No, nah, bitch, you pay me." Yeah, every month. Except for she's an old lady, she'd be like, no. Hey, bitch, you pay no. me. I don't, I don't deal with assholes, and you are being an no. asshole. Give me my money. <laughs> I have doilies to buy. <laughs> I like the fact that she was in this cosy little room with big, fluffy, stuffed cushions and sofas and surrounded by bookcases and doilies. And doilies. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. I feel like I need to know more about the magical. Yeah. Like, why is everybody so afraid of her? Why is everybody paying her tribute? Why are we paying the madrigal for protection? <laughs> How did she get to be where she is yes, today? Yes, I want her backstory. It's too bad that we didn't, you know, even attempt to ask for an author guest on this one. I think because of, you know, timing is not great. Yeah. Uh, we'll just... Well, you know, maybe... Maybe Travis Baldry will listen to this episode and feel like, I really have to talk to these people. I really have to tell them the Madrigal's history. 
and then we'll just do an extra double bonus some other time, and it'll just show up randomly, <laughs> and we'll have cinnamon rolls. We love an extra double bonus random insertion. We do. And you know what will be even better is that he's the author and the narrator. Yes. yes. Double the content questions. See? Perfect. It will be it perfect. Will. It will. Travis Baldry, listen to this episode. I'm putting it out into the world. I'm going to manifest it and make it true. Manifesting. 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 Bing. Right. It'll happen. You know, and even if he doesn't listen to it, someone tell him. We've got some pretty We've got some pretty good listeners that we have. We can probably send them out to do our bidding. <laughs> so like everyone, everyone listening to this episode, tell Travis Baldry that he needs to talk to us about it. Ready? Go. <laughs> manifesting. 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 Yes. Bing. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Hashtag manifesting Travis Baldry. <laughs> and it'll happen. And then I can finally design a new t-shirt, which it came to me a moment ago. And then I didn't say anything about it. But if I finally make this t-shirt, then I can send it to him and it'll be good. But I have to look up the spelling of something. So you talk about something while I look up the spelling of something and then... I'll tell you what this idea is, and then we'll talk about it. Oh, no pressure there. No pressure. Hmm. Ready? Ready? Go. go. <laughs> I thought the Viv and Tandri love story was ridiculously light touch and seemed like a little bit of an afterthought, possibly. Like, I don't mind a light sapphic love story. I love it. I love it, in fact. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like it wasn't much there. It took them freaking ages to kiss, and then it took them freaking ages after that to second kiss. And Tandri moved in awfully quick. Like she did, but she moved in to keep her well, safe. Well, no, afterwards, when when the after the cafe is burned down oh. and she builds the apartment, she's like, "Yeah, you want to come live with me?" I'm like, "Hang on, you've been on like half a date because you went for a picnic." And neither of you really said this is a date. We are we are all courting together. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. I mean, I suppose it's pretty much spent all day, every day with each other since then. Yeah, and then you know when it's burned down and they rebuild it, it's not like they just rebuilt one room up in the loft. So like, it's no, not it's like a full suite. Yeah, you know, Tandri has her own room and closet. That's true. That is true. And she didn't seem particularly satisfied with her old student digs. No. I like the fact that the racism wasn't masked in this. That it's obvious that the university was racist against Tandri for being a succubus. That everybody is like, oh, it's a, it's a rat king. Oh, it's a hob. Oh, it's an orc. And having that small element of distrust... Because it's like it's social commentary, really. Yeah, but then at the same time, all of the people that are that have a heart that care about people are just like, oh, a raccoon, oh, a succubus, oh, a hob, oh, 
whatever. Exactly. Let's make a let's make a hot bean water. Mm, bean juice with milk. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's it's just um, it's more the fact that it's it's just not it's not disguised. It's not hidden. It's there, and it just emphasizes that when people are being nice and people don't treat people differently because there's no reason to that stand out and it's like teaching good behavior through literature yes and it's about showing that you can be a decent human being or orc or succubus regardless of what everyone else thinks just just be a good person don't be a garbage person don't be a garbage person. See, it's not difficult. It's not. Still need to make that shirt too. <laughs> Have I stalled enough for you yet? One of these days. <laughs> oh yeah, plenty okay. of time. I just had to make sure that things were hyphenated that I thought needed to be hyphenated. So my t-shirt mm. idea goes back to what we said a little bit ago. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Or get an auto circulator, and there's a little rat kid and a little hob. <laughs> it needs to happen. It's really cute. I love it. This little, this gorgeous little thimble um, art on Travis Baldry's website as well. He's adorable. Thimble is adorable. Yeah, and see. I don't want to steal those designs, but I will look at them for oh, inspiration. Oh, yeah, yeah. Purely look at them to appreciate the artwork that they are. But, yeah, it's very yeah. good. I do like it. I do like it. Now, we haven't talked about Amity. Big, giant kitty. Yeah, I like Amity. I like that they tried to get Amity, like, to sleep in the corner on the pillows and all the cushions and stuff that they supplied and just like no because that's not what cats do they should have put a box for her to get in and she would have been in there and she never would have come out except for when she was needed to hiss at people (laughs) it would have been perfect and you know she does end up sleeping on the cushions eventually but that's what they should have done. They should have got her a box instead. But she's the hero. She's the hero. Of well, the she book. is because she wakes Viv G in the fire and she takes out Venice at the end. Yeah. And hisses him out. She's got a very good, she's a very good and... judge of character. Yeah. That's why we knew we could trust the chess goblin. I, I do worry about her digestive system after eating the cake. That lady provided. Yeah. Mm. Maybe maybe Amity didn't eat the cake. Maybe Amity just batted it around. Used it as a toy, yes. It was a it was a toy. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yep. that's it. Canon. Yep. Done, done. and done. <laughs> done and done. Just just to harp on a little bit more about Thimble because Thimble is precious. Sweet, sweet baby boy Thimble. Yes. I like the fact that Eleni yes. is constantly trying to get his recipes and he's like, no. Squeak, squeak, squeak. Wave arms. Confuse Eleni. Make her run away. 
because like he doesn't want to outright say no because he doesn't want to be an asshole because he's not an asshole. But then he's just like, no, I'm a rat. And she's like, oh, he doesn't understand what I'm saying. And she leaves. And then he's like, <laughs> and then he needs the dough. You cannot have any of my croissant recipes because you will kill them. No, I won't want any of yeah, yours because you'll turn I don't them want in- to die. <laughs> no, you'll turn them into cat toys. Which might be okay. Oh, the cat toys, I think would be fine. But no. No, don't share your secrets. No. No. Not when they're so delicious. Mm. Unless it's when you write your cookbook and sell it. <laughs> then you can then you can write your recipes down and share them. But even then they're not going to be the same cuz they're not made with ratkin love. Exactly. Exactly. Nothing can compare. No. I'm really hungry thinking about all these delicious things. I tried to get a biscotti the other day, but the coffee shop didn't have You mean a a thimblet. But the coffee shop didn't have any. No. But there is a bakery on the way to work, and sometimes I catch it just as it opens and I'm walking past, and the smell Mm. that comes out of the door when it opens is unreal. And the window is just filled Mm. with bread and pretzels and cakes and croissants and pan au chocolat and brownies and they have the cinnamon rolls which is the cinnamon roll that's on the episode picture this week mm. i bought two i ate one as soon as i got to work and the director of my department was like oh, you've been to pink lane bakery i was like squeak yes <laughs> just like oh i was going to stop there and i didn't know i really wish that i had and you know you're like Okay, stuffing it in your mouth, going, oh, I'm really sorry. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> You're not having this one. You may. And then you just lick you it. You might be my boss, capital B O S S, but you are not having my cinnamon roll. No. But I had two, because the second one I did bring home to give to the husband, which made it into the episode picture. Well, that's at least nice of you. I mean, he almost didn't get it. <laughs> He hovered to make sure I didn't eat it. <laughs> you should have you should have told him that you only got the one, and so he had to share that one with you, but you had to use it for your picture first. I'm so tempted. They are so freaking delightful. They are the best. They do the best pretzels as well. It's so squidgy. They're like, mmm. The cinnamon roll when I had it, it was still warm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Damn, I'm hungry. Okay. That's enough plugging a local bakery that very few of you will be able to access. But no, it's just there if you ever come near my way. (laughs) That also reminds me that I need to talk to my baker friend, not the show's baker friend, but my local baker friend, who might make us fictional hangover cookies that can be shipped nationwide and or worldwide depending on who's paying for the shipping <laughs> mm. don't let me forget i will never let you forget you cookies i know <laughs> anyway what else were you surprised by anything um that what more wasn't made of the madrigal um i know that was mine too like and we need I need to know more. Our backstory. 
I want more character of her in it. How Lack came to work for her. Don't care about Kellen. He can yeah. sort off. I like the fact that she called out assholes as she saw them. Yes. But yeah, I was. I think I was very surprised that Viv wasn't willing to pay money at the end of the month, but she's willing to give a weekly gift of a bag of cinnamon rolls, which when accumulated will probably, I don't know, just, she's still paying her off. It's just not with actual coin. Yeah, but like, it's with love. It's with so she's it's like she's giving gifts and now the madrigal is like hey I like you and hey guess what something bad's gonna happen in a few days so you need to be ready for that's it. That's true. It seems a bit more of a a more equal relationship than if she just paid her the protection money at the end of the month. Yeah, I don't think the same. I don't think they would have had the same outcome if she hadn't done that. No, I agree. If she was just paying her off, like why would the madrigal care? Yeah, well, I mean, she helped, she donated uh, material and... Yeah, know, that too. Well. She wouldn't She wouldn't have done that either. Yeah. No, that's true. But still feels like, a, it, it still see, feels like fa- at the foundations of the very essence, she's paying protection, quote unquote, money. But it's just in the form of delicious baked goods by Sweet Sweet Baby Boy Thimble. Rather than actual cash. And it's probably costing her less in the long run. It's like, Thimble, can you just put an extra batch in, please? Yeah, but they were selling those for what, four? Four bits. Dollars or whatever their method of payment is. That was the the most expensive thing on the menu, right? Mm. So, and how many, it's not like they're just giving her one a week. They're giving her a whole, you know, bag of them or a whole it's, pro- it's probably thing a whole batch she's getting but yeah and how many is that happens? probably at least a dozen yeah what happens when her clothes stop fitting and she's like hmm i need to cut back on these cinnamon rolls and midnight crescents and thimblets what's gonna happen then she'll she'll just have to go out and bash some heads in to work it off exercise of course or you know she's got all of her doilies, so she probably knows how to do some sewing or some crocheting or some knitting, and so she could just make herself some new clothes. Let the seam out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that works. Yeah. Okay, that works. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Which is why we need the backstory. We need to know where she learned to sew. We need to know. <laughs> And what her yes, costumes are like. We need to know. And also, what happens to the Madrigal after she gets the Scalvert Stone? Yes. We just need the Madrigal story from beginning to end. Ready? Go. Manifesting. Manifesting. <laughs> Hashtag manifesting Travis Baldry. <laughs> there we go. So that was your surprise as well, the Madrigal. You know, mostly that she was an old grandma. I love that she was an old grandma. You know, because you don't know. You don't know. It's just the Madrigal. 
so menacing. Mm. The madrigal. And she's like, oh, hello, dearies. Stew. Let me move my doily. Give me a cinnamon roll. The guy's going to come set your house on fire. That asshole is going to go set your house on fire. Give me a cinnamon roll. Over and over again. Assholes and cinnamon rolls. <laughs> Callan, Callan. I hear that you have been a very naughty boy. You have disappointed me. <gasps> oh, Shane. No. Stop fucking up and being a dick to that lovely succubus. Be nice or you won't get a midnight crescent. Do you think that the Madrigal sent Amity? No. You don't think so? You think Amity just showed up all on her own? Yes. Because... Because what if the Madrigal sent Amity as like, hey, she said she's not going to pay. I mean, hey, she said she's not going to pay, so we need to send some mushrooms. And then Amity's like batting around a fruitcake. I think Amity was already living in a livery because the original one was drunk and never there. So I think she was like, hmm, mm, could be. I'm just going to live here now. And then Viv came along and she's like, wow. And then, oh, she, she seems all right. Uh, never yeah. mind. I don't know. I almost, I think that the magical in Amity might be in cahoots. Well, that's why we need to manifest Travis Baldwin. <laughs> Hashtag manifest Travis Baldwin. And find out. Because if that's we can we we could we can see it and make it true, or we can ask and make it true. <laughs> Either way, that's our canon. Yep. All right. Um, is it time? Is it time for a drink? I think it was time about 20 minutes ago, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely time. <laughs> well, we had to talk, we had to pretend to be magical for a really long time for whatever reason. Or not. We asked on social media, would you rather be an orc, a succubus, a raccoon, a hob, a dwarf, a gnome, or a human, or an elf? And the winners were Mike McFly drumroll, please. <laughs> Facebook, Elf One, Instagram, Elf One, Twitter, Elf One, TikTok, <gasps> Succubus. <laughs> oh. Well, all right. <laughs> Yay. Why does that not surprise me? It's not surprising. It's not surprising that TikTok is the outlier. No, no. A lot of the other ones got love. Um, not so much Hob, not so much Ratkin. Probably because people don't know what they are. And Human didn't get a lot of love either because we're all human anyways. And Yeah. Why be a human when you can be an elf or a dwarf or a gnome? Yeah. You wouldn't. Exactly. Should we read through the comments? 
Yeah, I think we should. Annie on Facebook said, I'm going gnome because I'm a gardener. And just to clarify, I'm a lady gnome and my beard smells of lavender. Weapon of choice will be my favourite garden pickaxe. Useful for battling bad guys or weeds. Mm, I could have used that today, Annie. (sighs) Bree on Facebook says, gnome all the way. I am the tiny mistress of shiny gemstones and crazy coloured hair. I will combine tinkering with arcane knowledge to make all of the awesome magical thingamabobs. Fear my magpie power. Chaotic good wizard with a specialization in magical and enchanted jewelry. And I live in a part personal library slash part workshop, part eccentric store. (laughs) Peter on Facebook said, I'd rather be a dire cat. Somebody who's obviously read the story. But I'll settle for Orc. Quote, an orc's life was strength and violence and a sudden sharp end, but she'd be damned if she'd let hers finish that way. It was time for something new. Mm. And that new thing is hot bean juice. (laughs) Colin on Facebook said, I'd be a dwarf, for my beard is large and mighty and my beer drinking skills are prodigious. Plus, there's something about the dwarven sense of humor that I really like. Also, I'm grumpy. True. (laughs) (laughs) Constance on Facebook. This comment is hidden because it might be offensive. Oh, Facebook. You're a testicle in an ugly hat. Damn you, Facebook. Damn you. Do I need to summarize? (laughs) To summarize what Constance said? Yes. Because it was pretty heartwarming, although there was some malice involved. There was some reason that the comment is hidden because it might be offensive. It might be offensive to old white men. Yes. Do you care? No. Look, she just wanted to keep ladies safe. And that is not She wants to be a succubus. Mm-hmm. No, she wants to be a succubus. She... What was her what was Mildred. her succubus name? Mildred. She wants to be a succubus called Mildred, who like has her own shop and she hires women who have been in abusive relationships and she takes care of them and then they might slaughter the men who hurt them, maybe. Shrug. Hey, vigilante justice is all over the place. Yeah. Our last comment that we got was on Twitter. It's uh, from at Ryorin, who just shared a lovely image of herself with fantastic orc teeth and glorious blue hair. And it's the best thing ever. It was fantastic. It was. It really, really was. So she's living her best orc life. I would like to hear her say one sentence with the orc teeth in. Arcane Reciprocity at Royoran, can you please send us a clip, share it on social media, of you with the orc teeth in saying Arcane Reciprocity audibly without drooling all over yourself. Je m'appelle Claude. <laughs> that was you! It was you! We kept saying it over and over and over again and you were like You added like 30 P's! Hello, my name is Claire. You've met me before. (laughs) Anywho. 
What are you being? Mm, I mean, I feel like my go-to is an elf. Mm. But I kind of wouldn't mind being a ratkin. Thimble's little assistant. Apprentice. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Now, if in D&D, traditionally I've been... I've been a dwarf before, but I've definitely been an elf. Fun fact, my Twitter handle is my old D&D character name. That's wonderful. <laughs> Fun fact, I've never played D&D. <laughs> Sorry. Spoiler alert, no? everyone. It was the shock of all shocks. I knew this, but that's fine. You know things about me that other people do not know. Mm. Likewise. Anywho. Even though we've never met no. <laughs> I was more thinking about what character I would like to play in a D&D campaign when I was thinking about this. Okay. Um, and I was, I've gone down the norm route because I've never done norm. Mm. Okay. But I want to be a magician norm and I want to wear a little suit like Zantana out of the DC comics. And then it'll be a lot of misdirection while I nick things from you. So a little bit of a pickpocket going on there as well. Sneak thief. Okay. But yeah, awesome misdirection. Sounds good. I like it. Would you rather stick your hand in a Scalvert Queen's head or into magical flames? The Scalvert Queen's head. For though it may be fleshy and gross, it isn't going to burn. And if it's magical flames, you can't guarantee that that, bo- that burn will heal. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Scalvert Queen's head just for the gore and the viscera. Of course, those fleshy folds. No one is surprised. <laughs> yep. No one is surprised. No. No. Mm-mm. Would you rather eat a cinnamon roll, a thimblet... Or a Midnight Crescent? Cinnamon roll, I think. The Midnight Crescent sounds good, but it also sounds like it has dark chocolate on the inside. And I'm not a huge fan of dark Mm. chocolate, the bitterness of it. Um, So I'm going to go with the cinnamon roll. Well, the Midnight Crescent is just a mix between a croissant and a pan of chocolate. Well, I don't know what that is, Claire. A pan of chocolat. We don't have that. You don't have pan of chocolat? I don't know what that is. Maybe we do, but maybe it's not called something so pretentious. So French. Take a a croissant, which I'm sure you know what a croissant is. And put chocolate on the inside. Done. And you make it into a a rectangle and it has two lines. Of chocolate. I have them in the freezer right now. My son has them regularly for breakfast. Because he's a little... I'll have a croissant today, mummy. You just want 20 minutes extra in bed. He's learnt. <laughs> I am. Like, you don't know what a pan of chocolate is. Also, I mean, I don't just spend a ton of time in hanging out in bakeries. I don't spend I'm not a, a spiteful baker. I don't either. It's probably, right, okay, this is probably down to the fact that I'm in Europe 
and it's a continent. You're exceptionally British. Uh, no, it's a continental breakfast thing. So, like, if I've gone to France and you stay in a hotel and they have breakfast, it is a basket of croissants, it's a basket of pain au chocolat, there's bread to toast, and there's fruit, cheese, and meats. That's what you get. Including in Germany, my friend in Germany was telling me how basic their breakfasts are. They don't do but like sausage and bacon and, you know, all those fine British and american style breakfasts they don't do anything like that it's all cold meats cheeses croissants pan chocolates that type of thing and bread lots of sourdough but i you've blown my little mind that you don't have pan chocolat wow i, didn't I mean re- maybe we do and it's called something else hmm. feel free everyone to shout at me and set me straight no it's fine it's fine you you over america i do not I just didn't realise how European that was. I mean, obviously I did because it's, you know, a French name. But I'm genuinely like, whoa. Okay. Um, Anywho, I'm going with you in cinnamon roll because I have to fancy a thimblet, a biscotti. I do, I've always wanted to make them. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to go cinnamon roll. I'm going to go cinnamon roll too. I just want one. That's all I want right now. Just want cinnamon roll. Made a batch last week. Didn't last long. Next question. Would you rather put your trust in the Scalvert Stone or trust your research to start your new business? Trust my research to start my new business. If I haven't done the research properly and then the re- if the business fails, it's on me. Can't blame a magical object when you don't fully understand it you don't really know about it you're interpreting the 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 poem that goes with it could mean anything we know from the sisters of salem books how badly poems can be interpreted and yeah the resulting consequences of doing that so you put yeah. the work in make sure you do the right thing invest wisely soundly yeah, see, that's what I would do too. I would I would do my research, but then I wouldn't mind having the Scalvert Stone as like an assist. Yeah. You know, I don't know if this is going to do any good, but it couldn't hurt. It's like having a lucky rabbit's foot or a good luck charm or something. Or, yes. or displaying that first dollar that you've ever made and thinking, if I put that on the wall, then that's going to manifest... Travis Baldry. No, manifest. Gonna hashtag manifest Travis yes. Baldry. Or, you know, manifest success. Because it, right. it's like having a good luck charm. And yeah. that's fine. But I wouldn't put all my trust yeah. in it. No. Good. Last question. Would you rather live a life of adventure or open a coffee shop? I would rather live a life of adventure. Hmm. Is that in this world? Especially if I'm a... I was about to say, especially if I'm a badass orc. There we go. That's what I wanted to clarify. I'm going to live a life of adventure. You know, maybe when I'm retirement age, then I could settle down and open up my coffee shop. But I want to travel around. I want to travel the world. Mm, mm. Let's see. What about you? If I'm living in the fantasy world, 
and being the cheeky little gnome pickpocket magician. Then, I want to live the life of adventure. I'm going to go and kill me, some Scalvet's queen, steal a stone, take the hoard of treasure, have a party. Mm-hmm. Go plundering down the dungeons, fight a dragon. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, maybe you could, you could provide the capital for your friend who owns, who, who builds the coffee shop. Yeah, I'll just be a silent partner. I'll just demand coffee and... You'll just you'll just be the madrigal. We're just the madrigal, is what we are. Yeah. <laughs> Option C, the madrigal. Would you rather be? Would you rather live a life of adventure, walk in a coffee shop, or be the local kingpin? Kingpin. Kingpin. Be the kingpin. Definitely. Yep. Sold. <laughs> you see, this is what you do. You don't just come up with a random option C. You integrate an option C into the question. You manifest an you option manifest C. Travis Hashtag manifest option C. Tra- <laughs> this is this is turning this is gonna turn into a Steve West sort of situation, I'm afraid. Sorry, not sorry. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite final thought quote? <laughs> I'm gonna give you three. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna give you the serious one first. Okay. People tend not to notice what's in front of them until it nearly knocks them down. Oh, yeah. Viv, looking at you. Um, <laughs> you're a good girl, aren't you? You know, a dickhead when you see one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, oh, I've got. Yeah. You have, you have more? Yeah. Um, you have more. You have several more. Two more. Oh, I've got three. You have three more? I've got three in total. Oh, there's just. I, I can't count. <laughs> one. I don't know uh, how to. You've got fangs <laughs> on. You should be uh, able to count. Uh, uh. <laughs> My last one. <laughs> Viv had reached her limit of blood and mud and bullshit. And quite frankly, so have I. <laughs> Indeed. What's your um, let's see. I feel like I took all like you you provided all these wholesome things. I mean, minus the blood and bullshit. And I'm gonna be violent. I've lived a long time knowing I'm a threat walking. I mean, that's true. It's true. It's true. Um, I also, like, I do like knives. <laughs> and finally, fuck those motherfuckers. <laughs> you know, what's also, like, wholesome, though, is their their cheers at the end, you know, to what the flames could not consume. Yeah. That's a good one, but nothing tops fuck those motherfuckers. No, no, fuck those motherfuckers. You know when you read fuck something, you go, I can hear Amanda's voice. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you liked this, try this. What do you suggest? I have suggested this before, so I'm just going to do a quick summary. Uh, Rat Queen's graphic novel, volume one, Sass and Sorcery, 
by Curtis G. Weave and it's illustrated by Rock Upchurch. It does change hands later on. It's a D&D style female adventure group who swear, who have sex, who take drugs, who go murdering. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd particularly like Hannah. Especially when she goes evil. Like, she goes full, destroys the world evil. I like that. But who are the Rat Queens? The Sunmi Hunger Dreed says. They're a pack of booze-guzzling, death-dealing battle maidens for hire, and they're in the business of killing all the gods' creatures for profits. Meet Hannah, the rockabilly elven mage, Violet, the hipster dwarven fighter, Dee, the atheist human cleric, and Betty, the hippie smidgen thief. This modern spin on an all-school genre is violent, monster-killing epic that is like Buffy meets Tank Girl in the Lord of the Rings world on crack. And it literally makes me laugh out loud. It's very good. Perfect. It's very good. Perfect. Perfect. What do you got? I am going to suggest The Cat Who Saved Books by Sosuke Natsukawa. Bookish high school student Rintaro Natsuki is about to close the second-hand bookstore he inherited from his beloved bookworm grandfather. Then, a talking cat named Tiger appears with an unusual request. The feline asks for, or rather demands, the teenager's help in saving books with him. The world is full of lonely books left unread and unloved, and Tiger and Rintaro must liberate them from their neglectful owners. Their mission sends this odd couple on an amazing journey, where they enter different mazes to set books free. Through their travels, Tiger and Rintaro meet a man who leaves his books to perish on a bookshelf, an unwitting book torturer who cuts the pages of books into snippets to help people read, and a publishing drone who only wants to create bestsellers. Their adventures culminate in one final unforgettable challenge. The last maze that awaits leads Rintaro down a realm only the bravest dare enter. Ooh. It's a cat. It's a cat hero. <laughs> <laughs> do we have an indie spotlight with hashtag manifest Travis Baldry I mean tenuous <laughs> link <laughs> kind of kind of we do I think I got this one from NetGalley so it may or may not be indie but it it's it's new it's called When Women Were Dragons by Kelly Barnhill. In the mass dragoning of 1955, hundreds of thousands of ordinary wives and mothers transformed into dragons and took to the skies. As Alex faces the consequences of this astonishing event at such a young age, she'll learn much about a ward that wants to keep women small and what happens when they take a stand. Ooh. I feel like all women should become dragons right now. I agree. I agree. Or an orc or a succubus. <laughs> or a ratkin. 
nobody should have black blood. Yes. Yeah. Or magical kingpin. Ooh. Yes, of course. <laughs> All right. Oh my gosh. That's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we talk about Lumberjanes, Beware the Kitten Holy, created by Noelle Stevenson, Shannon Waters, Grace Ellis, and Brooklyn Allen. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you'd like this episode, check out our others, a rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.